Welcome to the Earning the Push podcast, a show by professional wrestling fans for professional wrestling fans to speculate, ruminate and enjoy everything that goes inside and outside the squared circle. My name is Jack Murley. I am a professional broadcaster joined each and every week by professional rugby player, but someone who is becoming more of a professional broadcaster by the week, Charlie Beckett. Hello. Hello, mate. Are you okay? I'm good. You're doing um, you're doing commentaries on things now. You're yeah, I'm coming. I'm coming turn. for your. I'm, I'm in, coming into your world, Merlin. I'm going to take over your world as well as mine. No, 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 no. I am doing a very poor job of what you do very, very well. But I'll tell you what made me laugh this morning. I've come on Zoom mm. and it's made me realise obviously what dingy and um, dark clothes I normally have on every week we do this. Because Jack's went first. He didn't say hello. He went, "Oh, you wear an orange." That was his first reaction. I was like, wow, how dark do I normally wear clothes? Usually you are a navy blue black man or some kind of like that sort of outfit. So to see you, you know, I, I like it though. You should make these your colours. Like Bret Hart had the purple, Charlie Beckett can have the orange. Yeah, just everywhere I go, new kits, guys, you've got to be bright orange, I'm not signing. It's as simple as that. It's a gimmick. It's part of the gimmick. Do you know what? It's a weird one, isn't it? Because we've had a bit of a quieter week in professional wrestling, and even the most quiet week in pro wrestling still has plenty to talk about. So during the course of the show today, we'll talk about Logan Paul taking down Jey Uso. The MJF heel turn to face turn is well and truly underway. Teasers of the return of Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks to AEW for the first time since shenanigans backstage at All Out and speculation that Austin Theory may not end up using his money in the bank contract in the usual way. But let's kick off, Charlie, with surely the biggest turnaround in professional wrestling, another stellar week for the Judgment Day, and particularly Dominic Mysterio cutting, who knew it, a pretty good promo. Yeah, Dom was a pretty pretty decent promo this week, wasn't he? Easy, easy, cheap heat to refer to Eddie Guerrero as his, uh, his generation's Dominic Mysterio. Uh, yeah, it was a good pro, and like, like you say, Judgment Day for so long were floundering and a bit of nothingness, and now in the middle of a really hot feud, and you you can't you can't skip past them on Raw, can you? You've got to see what Judgment Day are doing. I think that's the when Raw's a three-hour show, and I I watch a lot of Raw through the YouTube segments mm. on a Tuesday morning, and then the, the the bigger stuff I go and make sure I watch back in full, and months gone by the judgment day youtube segment is not what i've been picking up now you can't you can't miss it because there's so much going on there so yeah really really good good from dominic and if rhea ripley would like to body slam me like she did luke gallo she's more than welcome to any time she'd like I couldn't believe that. I thought that was such a good spot. And it played into exactly what we've been saying on this podcast, that Rhea Ripley, keep her away from the women's division because you can spotlight that power in spots like that with Gallows. And my God, the crowd were there for that moment. And it wasn't just a slam. It was the way she mocked him afterwards. And she made it look easy. And it's not like she's slamming Rey Mysterio. She's slamming a big, big man in Luke Gallows there. She's obviously incredibly strong, incredibly powerful. And this... This gimmick they've got of her is just perfect, and she's playing it perfectly. And it's uh, it's something that they don't do often with women. Like it, it's the sort of China Beth Phoenix treatment, isn't it? And it's it's really working. When you choose the right woman to do this gimmick with, it it works very very well, and it's getting Rhea very very over. 
I, do you know, as I was watching it this week, and, and okay, not to the same level, but what came to mind for me was DX. We're sort of looking like the parts of a, a D-Generation X. You've got the Balor, who's sort of the Shawn Michaels figure. He can go. He's the established champ. You've got maybe Damian Priest, who's the up-and-comer who needs a little bit of rub. You've got Dominic in the Xbox role, and you've got Rhea Ripley as the China. Not an exact analogy, but not a million miles away. I think the fact that that's even entering the conversation shows what a brilliant job has been done with the Judgment Day because of where they were. And any, if any faction is looking like glimpses of Degeneration X at their best, then you, you'd take that, wouldn't you? And you have to look at the visuals as well because Rhea Ripley visually looks so much bigger because she's next to Dominic Mysterio. And just the transformation he's been... I mean, he's gone full Adam's family with it, but it, it sort of works. And, and I think he needed to do this. He couldn't just be Ray's smiley son hitting dual 619s forever. And if you're going to chain... If you see value in Dominic Mysterio, you have to break him away from his dad in this sort of way. Yeah, I have no complaints with the visuals of Rhea Ripley. I think I've made that perfectly clear on this podcast before. Uh, but you're so right about Dom. He couldn't... It was the way to bring him in, and he's he can go. Like He had his match with Rollins at the SummerSlam in uh, COVID, where that was his first match. It was brilliant. He's shown he can wrestle, but he needed to be more than just Ray's giant son, didn't he, at some point? So this was a very clever way. I think we all saw the turn coming eventually, and the way they've done it is clever with Ray just refusing to, um, to entertain the thought of fighting him. I saw a thought go out on Twitter this week. Again, got to start remembering who tweets these things. Sorry if it was you. Um, that Ray and Dom are one and two in the Rumble. And you can't you can't avoid it then. But that's how Ray has to fight his son. Oh, I like that. That is that is really, really nice. But what do you have Ray dive over the top rope? Do you, I mean I, I think I think the theory I saw was something like Ray is trying to avoid fighting it, and then Dom goes to clothesline him or something. And Ray's instincts just kick in. He ducks and pulls the top rope down and he eliminates Dom. Still doesn't hit him, but eliminates Dom and is almost saying sorry as he does it. Or what if his instincts are that he just slaps Dom out of self-defense, realizes what he's done and eliminates... I mean, th- God love the Rumble. And I, I, the Rumble can't get here quick enough for me. I, I don't want to mm. blow past all the other stuff. But when you hear the storytelling potential, and probably for the first time in a little while, WWE will have multiple stories going towards a Rumble for the first time since... Well, certainly not last year. Last year's Rumble was a bust. Yeah, I, I, I agree entirely. And I think, I think whether they do it one or two or at some point, those those face-offs in the Rumble are always the best behind them. And two people who haven't crossed paths for a while but have a history are suddenly stood in the ring opposite each other. I think you have to do a spot like that with Dom and Ray. Even if they don't come to blows at that point, you need to play into that for sure. And I, I just want to see them go at it. I think it's going to be a massive pop. And I think that that is one of your, probably your opener on one night at WrestleMania. But that's a little way down the line. So Dominic Mysterio is shining. The Judgment Day have spun themselves round into must-see acts on Monday Night Raw. The main event sees Bailey beat Bianca Belair in a women's non-title match. Um, obviously, Bianca Belair, the Raw Women's Champion. But something to me doesn't feel right about Bailey's return, Charlie. Is this just me or are we missing something with Bailey? I don't think Bailey's return has been bad by any stretch of the imagination. I actually think the damage control faction is not a bad one, but it's probably doing the least for Bailey of the three women involved, I'd say. Mm. Um, I'd say Io Sky and Dakota Kai are getting a massive rub from it, and they've obviously got the women's tag team titles, and it was brilliant, the surprise return of them. Bailey, it's weird, isn't it? Because she's doing everything right, and it just, yeah, it doesn't quite feel as exciting as it should, maybe? Is that really harsh to say? I don't know. 
I, I don't think it's harsh. I wonder if she's come back. And you can't say she's not doing anything different because she's got a faction and she didn't have a faction before. But for me, there is something about this and her character that just feels a little staid, a little tired, maybe. And I, I can't quite put my finger on it. And I, I don't know what it is because we know Bailey is an amazing heel, but also an awesome baby face. I mean, do they need to think about whether they just take her off telly again to, to just do something a bit different? Is it that level? I'm not sure it's that drastic, but I I, I don't know is the answer. It, it just isn't quite 100% clicking. It's not bad by any stretch of imagination. And unsurprisingly, Bailey and Bianca had a really good match because they're Bailey and Bianca. It's not bad. Damage control, I don't dislike. I don't love, but I don't dislike. It just... Maybe we just have such high expectations and thoughts of what we want from Bailey. Maybe that's the issue. We want her to be perfect, and that and the fact that it's not quite perfect is is a shame. I hate the damage control name. I, I know you do. I absolutely hate it. It is the equivalent of Control Alt Delete. It's um, con- I, I hate it, and I don't really know why they're there. I, I mean, I get it from a a store from a get these women on TV and get them spotlighted. I get that, but what what's their purpose? What's the damage they're controlling? Why why are they what, why are they turn- why are they con- why are they controlling it if they're heels? Why don't they want loads of damage? Wrestling is causing damage to each other. Well, I mean, this is getting into philosophy, but like, why? I I, I just they're a stable without a purpose. I just don't quite un. And then part of me thought, actually, is it Bianca? Is Bianca the issue that she's not hot enough as a babyface to elevate? Uh, Bailey as a heel and and then you think well that can't be it because look at her and Becky Lynch and what they did yeah I don't think Bianca's the issue I think something I think we want this to be as brilliant as Bianca Becky etc because Bailey is on their level talent wise and performance wise and that's a high bar to step to because that's an all-time feud there was some brilliant matches so I'm not too worried about it I don't think it's an issue but it isn't quite where we would like it and I'm sure they would like it to be Mm, yeah, I think so. Let's take you to SmackDown. Logan Paul, uh, and still seems slightly surreal to me, continues the build to Crown Jewel, which is not far away at all. How are you feeling about Crown Jewel, Charlie? Um, it's happening. Yeah. It's probably the least excited I've been for pay-per-view premium live events in the Triple H era, but a lot of that is where it is and what it is. I struggle to get as excited for these. Um, I don't think the card is bad particularly. There's some interesting matches in there, but I'm not I'm not madly excited by it yet, no. In the scheme of Saudi shows, with all the usual caveats we put with this, I'm trying to remember, when was the last one where we had Alita against Becky Lynch and, and was that earlier this year we had that? This year or last year? I can't was, was actually elim- remember. Was it Elimination Chamber? Was that in Saudi? Yeah, I think it might have been. And we sort of said, okay, that is the first premium live event in Saudi that we sort of felt was canon, that fit mm. with, with the show. And I I'm, I do feel at least this is canon. At least what I'm seeing on my the- TV screens makes sense in the context of what they're getting in Saudi. It's not another Undertaker, Goldberg, throw them together, see what happens. Yeah, the only return we have is Lesnar, and he's a bit different when they, they bring Goldberg back because Lesnar comes back more often and... To be honest, that, that's the match I'm probably most interested in seeing because I just think it's going to be utter carnage, uh, Goldberg-Lesnar. And I'm fascinated to see what they do with um, Roman and Logan and how they play that because there's so much story going into that. Let's talk about that then because yet again on SmackDown, we see Logan Paul come out and he's meant to be... Well, is he meant to be the baby face in this? Or is this one where, where Triple H and the creative team have just <laughs> thrown everything against the wall and said, lads, you, you pick them. You cheer who you want to cheer in this one. 
Yeah, I don't think I think he's meant to play babyface a little bit, but he's a he's a tough man to cheer, Logan Paul. Let's let's be honest with that. He's he's hard to warm to, and so the fact he's in that position, I mean, for me, what this is actually doing is yet again enhancing the storyline of the bloodline and Sami Zayn. And we saw that in that great segment on SmackDown where hot-headed Jey Uso comes out and essentially defies the orders of the tribal chief and of Sami Zayn and then gets humiliated. Yeah, I think it's very clever what they're doing because they're not hiding away from the story everyone knows is the truth of. Logan Paul has no chance. Roman Reigns will batter him. But what if... And that's very clever because that is the truth of it. Don't try and build Logan as a credible competitor. Build him as what he is, which is a man who has done professional boxing, so therefore must have a good punch, and all he's looking for is one lucky punch. And make that credible by his one sucker punch, knocking Jey Uso out, because that's what he did. And use that to progress that storyline between Sammy, Jay, Roman. I mean, it's amazing how little Roman Reigns needs to be on television and yet continues to... Im- I mean, if I could have that influence over my job where I literally didn't turn up for weeks on end and I was still the most important thing on the show, that would be a good gig to have. It shows how great Roman is. Yeah, he just... I, I'm not going to bore the listeners by what is in the on Roman Reigns again. Everyone knows my thoughts on him, but he's just on a different level to anyone we've seen in this generation at, on performing at the moment, I think. And I'm fascinated to see how they go with this match. There definitely will be a point where Logan gets that shot on Roman. I'm interested to see how the rest of the bloodline feed into it. We hardly even see Heyman anymore. No. Like, how important, how impressive is that? Like, Sami Zayn is giving an all-time performance in what he's doing. His part, and I, I said before, imagine having the creative mind to pitch, I'm going to go and infiltrate the very, very Polynesian group that I'm not a part of in any way at all and make it the best thing on telly. It, it is remarkable, this sort of slow build. And I feel like Sami Zayn is like the PLO of, of this faction. You know, he's just, everything he is doing is perfection. And he's not doing that much, but everything he's doing adds up. Do you give Logan Paul a visual three count on Roman Reigns? I mean, no, ha- no, not at no, all. no, 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 no. That hurts Roman. Yeah. Logan doesn't get, no, no one's had that. Logan doesn't get that. But can you can you rule them out doing that? Because no, they might do it. They might do it, but no, not for me. Okay, give them a give them a close give them a close two and seven eight. It's remarkable, isn't it? How protected Roman Reigns is that we we have gone from the point of saying anyone but Roman to now not saying. Well, we look, look. Let's not forget two and a half years he's had these belts, and we're still saying let's have them for a little bit longer. And not only are we saying we don't want anyone to beat him, we don't even want anyone to have a visual three count on him because what a moment that is. I mean, here's one for you. What matters more in professional wrestling, breaking the streak or breaking Roman's title reign? Just pulling that out the bag early doors. Both will be remembered forever. Whoever breaks this reign now will be remembered. Is it equivalent to the streak? No, because nothing ever will be. That was over 20 years. But I can't remember a more significant title reign in my time watching wrestling. This is, whoever breaks this reign, this is the most important change of a title in my time watching wrestling. Now, I obviously wasn't around when Samatino held it for 27 years in a row or whatever it was, but this is I've never, ever experienced any title run like this. 
I'm going to go out on a limb and I may reverse myself in a week. You know, U-turns are very in fashion. I think beating Roman Reigns will mean more than breaking the streak. In that case, then, they have to be even more careful with who they who they get to do it. So then my next question is, who? But, but hold on, let me just explain why I think that. Because by the end of the streak, The Undertaker was a once-a-year competitor, completely understandably. Yep. And, and the yep. only drama that existed was he's going to WrestleMania, he's not going to lose the streak. And by the end of it... The only shock was that they broke it. Like The only shock was that they actually broke that thing because you went in every week thinking, okay, he's not, he, not going to lose a streak every WrestleMania. Someone's going to beat Roman, and it's going to be an active competitor. And then after that, you've got the story of what Roman does next. There was no real. They never really told the story of what Taker does once the streak is broken. They alluded to it a bit, but the, the legend's body was breaking down. It, they couldn't do that. They can do this with Roman. They can make a star. And as great as this streak, this run has been, imagine what he's going to be like when he loses. It's so true. I don't disagree. Who? No one. No one yet. If you, if you haven't got the person, then do not. Yeah. Listen to us. Right. Before Cardiff, has to be Drew. Has to be Drew. <laughs> now we're sitting here going, nah, do you know what? I can see why it wasn't Drew. Has to be Sammy. Has to be Sammy. Well, what if it's not Sammy? What if Sammy bubbles up, then goes back down, and someone else comes along? The only thing I'm going to say who it can't be is The Rock. Yeah, he can't lose to The Rock. He can't. If, if The Rock comes, he has to beat The Rock. And yet, and yet, and yet, what's the one thing I'd be really worried about if they did a Roman Reigns-Rock match? Oh, Rock might win that. That's what I would be worried about. The, the, I, I think at WrestleMania, I think Roman's going to have to defend both titles separately, and I think we might see him lose one of them. Oh, do you know what? I like But I do, I do it in... You know what I'd do? I'd do it in a triple threat or something like that. What They've gone out of fashion. You don't see triple threats or fatal four-ways anymore that often. No, you do it in AEW, but not so much in, in WWE. Mm. But, 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 okay, why? What, what, why would you do that? Why would... What's the purpose? If you've got this unified champion who's dominant... Why go? You can't be half pregnant. Why would you half beat him? Take one title and not the other. Because I still think it hurts Raw not having a world championship. Mm, I sort of agree. I sort of agree. But we're talking about Raw every week, and mm. and it, I I don't know, man. I don't know. I just think, do you take one belt off him without weakening him? I mean. I, I just don't know. I think you want that moment of the champion holding up both belts because they've. if you beat in Roman, you've got to beat him decisively. You cannot half-ass ending this title reign. Yeah, I've got no idea who does. I'm thinking, can I see Sami Zayn stood atop him holding both titles? Probably not. I can see it. But can I see it over? I mean, it is just fascinating. How good is... I know it, people might get bored. Every week we talk about it, but how good is Roman Reigns that two and a half years in, we're still saying, I don't know, I don't know. And I don't think it's a fault of WWE booking. I just think it's how dominant this has been. And I don't think we will see anything like this again for a generation. I don't think they'll give someone else this level of protection. No, no. We haven't seen it before in this generation. So I don't see why we'd see it again in this one. But I tell you what, I want to see more of, but also makes me cringe beyond belief is every time Sami Zayn says the word Usi. And I'll tell you why, because so I'm in a profession where I play, I've played with against, work with a lot of Polynesian people. Uh, we get a lot of 
Samoans, Tongans, Fijians in rugby, obviously um, not players, but um, Maori players from New Zealand. And they all, they use the word oos a lot. They, right. they, it's genuine. They use a lot. And it does mean it's like um, English was saying bro, for example. And you do get the odd person who is not Polynesian, who does think they can use it. And it just makes your skin crawl. And it just goes through because that's not a word that should really be used. Not for any, not for any racial or particularly important reasons. It just doesn't fit. It'd be like a Londoner saying, why I, man? It just doesn't fit. So then when I see Sami Zayn doing it, I'm like, ah, oh, I know people who actually do what you do to try and get in with the the um, Pacific Islanders group, try and be as cool as they are at times, try that. And it just goes, oh, I know real life you, and it's hideous. And then to see, like, when you see Jimmy, Roman, and Solo actually play along with it, I'm like, no, that no, that's not what happens. Oh, it just makes my skin crawl every time because I know the real life Sami Zayn's. Let's talk AEW because the MJF face turn would seem to be well and truly underway. We alluded to it last week. He seemed to be just playing into some babyface tendencies and we saw on AEW Dynamite this week MJF again cutting a killer promo and being turned on by the firm at the end of the show. MJF seems to be flirting with the good side, Charlie. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? I don't think he needs to be good per se. That will never, ever, ever suit MJF. I don't want to feel sorry for MJF ever, but I can't help but cheer him. So he can cut slightly more babyface pros, but I don't want to see MJF out there doing charity promos, talking about how important it is that we raise money for this or that this, this month. Like that's not his role. That's not his job. I need him to come back against the firm in some way, in some really slimy way. Like he needs to get his revenge some way. I, I don't want us to start being like, oh, how sorry do I feel for MJF? What a good guy. Because can we please make it clear, Maxwell Jacob Freeman is not a good guy, but he's so good we cheer him, if that makes sense. It, it does make sense. I, I think, and I said this last week, I've been saying it before, he was the best thing on Dynamite for a long, long time. I think people are cheering him because he's so good. He's what they're paying their money for. You, A little like Roman, you don't really care at this point whether he's good, whether he's bad. He is who you want to see. I really liked his promo with Rene Paquette. I didn't love the fact he saved Moxley at the end. I thought that was a little bit too good guy. However, what I will say within the, the narrative of the story that AEW are telling, which is that MJF wants no excuses when he beats Moxley to show he's the best. Well, you can see how in his mind he would do that, not to be good, but to protect him. It's a tough one, isn't it? Because I get the no excuses thing, but that kind of doesn't feed into MGF taking every advantage he could, which is what MGF's always been. So I don't want to see him saving other people. I, yeah. d- I don't want to see that. I want to see him be like, well, I haven't actively done anything to hinder you, but I'm not going to help sort of thing. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't want to see him start rushing to the aid of his competitors again. That's that's not the MGF I want to see, really. I'm going to give him a pass on it because it didn't necessarily work for me. However, I think they're doing so much right at the moment with MJF. I, I think we said last week, build on that Regal promo, build on it. And they did. And MJF was through the show and we're seeing episodic storytelling. Here's one thing I think AEW could do that would kill it dead. And you can't rule them out doing it. 
oh, it was just a storyline. MJF took the beating like a man to lure Moxley into a false sense of security. You know that type of thing where actually he was in cahoots with the firm all along? Don't do that. No, 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 no. All I want is this to be legit. And the firm, for whatever reason, because oh, the firm, are we really? I don't know what they are. I don't understand them. Like, what do they want? Why did they get MJF the the chip and then turn on? I don't know. But if it's like, oh yeah, they lulled him in. It was a false censorship. No, have them turn for whatever reason, and just don't overcomplicate MJF versus Mox. Don't because it's the hot. It's the hottest ticket in town right now. That match. Don't. Don't intertwine it with so many storylines that we forget what the what the crux of it is, which unfortunately AEW has been guilty of doing in the past. Do you know what it reminds me of? A uh, little different, a little way back, maybe, well, I know you're too young to remember it, but I know you know your wrestling history, is Stone Cold Steve Austin The Rock, WrestleMania 17, where for a couple of weeks they tried to shoehorn in Deborah, and they were like, Deborah's, yeah, Deborah's didn't work, managing did it? The Rock, and then they basically called an audible, and they did that sit-down where they were like, Deborah, she's out of it now, it's just between the two of us. Do that with the firm. Have next week MJF just destroy the firm, like literally lay them out and maybe have Regal sort of nod at him in a, yeah, you've taken out your enemies. That's a good, but get rid of them. Just uncomplicate it. You've used them as a storyline device to get to Mox versus MJF. That's all we need to do here, really. Yeah, I completely agree. Here's something else we saw. A tease for the return of Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. Very, very subtle for the first time on AW television since the shenanigans are all out. That little video promo with them talking in archive audio about the history of AEW and then their vision blurring out. Very clever. Very interesting. Yeah, I think we're definitely meant to think that's AEW saying they're getting rid of the elites, aren't we? I think. Oh, interesting. Because they were disappearing and you see the E disappearing in the middle of AEW. I don't think that's what they're doing and they wouldn't, they wouldn't show them again. I think this is the start of them coming back somehow. And I don't know what the story with them coming back is, but I'll be fascinated to see. That's that's interesting because I didn't read it that way. I I read it as a, an almost you have tried to keep our thing going without us, but without the elite, there is no AEW. And part of me wonders whether this leads to, somehow the Bucks and Kenny Omega leading in a, ri- a ring of honour invasion or, or something like that, where they're so narked off about the idea of AEW without the elite, they go off and do something else. Yeah, there's plenty of storytelling devices. There's definitely something, there's got to be some sort of elite versus the establishment, mm. I think. I definitely, that's a way to go. It's just how they do it. And unfortunately, I don't hold much faith in AEW doing that in a way that isn't ridiculously complicated and I lose track of what's happening. However, just from a business point of view, it is very interesting that those three fellas suddenly are being mentioned on because they were out of everything. They were out of the cold open. They were stripped of the titles, the trios championship. They were gone, gone, gone. And now for them to come back in this form means a lot. And it also means a lot for who isn't there, which is CM Punk has not been teased. Yeah, it's interesting. Is that because he just doesn't fit this storyline of it's been the elite? Is that because he's not coming back? Is that... I don't know, how mad is it that we're in a world where we've been talking times about maybe he'll go to WWE? Like, just, just properly bonkers. Um, 
Yeah, but I think very telling that I, again. I don't know if it's just because he doesn't fit the elite storyline, or if because they're not they're not planning to bring him back. I'm sure in the next few months we will learn lots and lots more about that. Interesting. I mean, I mean, let's just throw this out there. If and you can't rule anything out, but if CM Punk goes back to WWE, is that the biggest storyline in a year that has already seen Vince McMahon <laughs> retire? That has already seen. Uh, you know, Punk suspended, the Bucks suspended, Kenny Omega suspended. All that we've seen, is that the biggest? Or, or is Vince going to top everything this year? If CM Punk signed for WWE being run by Triple H, just let that sink in, nothing tops that, I don't think. That's at your wildest dreams of what would happen. Like, Triple H was the reason he left, signing him back. I just can't see it. I can't see that conversation happening. But how much have you not been able to see and it's happened in wrestling, you know? Oh, we all saw Vince burning himself to the ground at some point somehow, didn't we? And then we all knew that might happen. Well, yeah, you're probably right. It is is a fascinating time. It really is. Um, We saw John Moxley and Penta have a great main event. Danielson... Shock. Shock, that was brilliant. I know. And I like they were just like, oh, do you know what? Let's put put them out there. Let's do the wrestling. Let's do some wrestling. And and Danielson and Guevara had a great match as well. And FTR had a great match with Swerve in My Glory. Rubbish name, swerving our glory, but you know it is what it is. Interest in FTR. What is what does swerving in something mean? If I was to say, Jack, come and swerve in my living room today, what would you do? I'd probably call your better half and say you were having a breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> I think she gets that call most days. Would, people tell her people people tell her I'm having that because I do a wrestling podcast. I would say I don't know what he wants, but you should get home quickly. Something is not well. How do I swerve? If I wanted to swerve in their glory, I wouldn't know what to do. I mean, wouldn't you want them to bask in your like glory? Something like this. <laughs> I don't know, but can you not bask in his glory because Keith Lee, we basked in Keith Lee's glory in WWE, so we can't do that anywhere oh, else. right, you, you think for copyright reasons we're no longer... I, think we, I don't think we're allowed to bask in anyone's glory anymore in AW. I think they're contradictory. You can't swerve but be in something at the same point. Either way, that is probably not the story that AEW wants to be telling with this, but I'm just glad we got FTR wrestling a tag match on Dynamite. It is mad that that is not an, a regular occurrence. I don't understand why it's not. I, I, we've said this multiple times. They're one of the hottest tag teams in the world. They're popular. They're brilliant. I do think we get them versus the acclaimed at some point. I think there's a, I, we've discussed it on the podcast before. I think there is fascinating storyline to tell with mm. the acclaimed versus FTR. There's also lots of rumors that FTR aren't happy in AW because of how they're being handled. And if they are, if they aren't, I could understand why. And now their NXT daddy is running the big boy show at WWE. So. That's the issue AEW have now is all the stars that raised to prominence through NXT, the man who did that is now in charge of their biggest competitor and they trust him and they know how he works. So it's very interesting. Like We will see the ripple effects, the repercussions of Triple H taking over WWE and doing so far a stellar job for years to come because there'll be contracts that won't be up for another two or three years, but when they are, Uncle Paul will be knocking on the door, won't he? Of course he will. Of course he will. And and actually, I don't mind FTR losing this match on Dynamite. I want to see them bang up the gun club a bit. And I, and if they're going to stretch out 
the Acclaims title run and put them with FTR in a month or six weeks, I'm absolutely fine with that. A really solid dynamite, I thought. Um, a couple of interesting bits and bobs. This is from Stay Grumpy Dan, our, our friend and listener to this podcast. Says, I'm actually in the mood now for a Ray Phoenix and Penta feud. I think it's time to pull the trigger on that. Who's going to complain about that? Well, that's never even crossed my mind to split those two up, but, ever. But the Penta we see in Triple R um, is 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 very different to what we see hmm. in AEW. And I I would be, do you know what? That is something you can go to whenever you want. But those boys would have a banger of a feud in AEW. Oh, they absolutely would. I wouldn't I wouldn't be against it at all. It just caught me by surprise that I've never even thought about. It. But yeah, I'd be all for that. Yeah, that'll be great. Uh, Andrew says as well, a couple of days behind with Dynamite, but you need to listen to William Regal's podcast episode on MJF. It is phenomenal. And I've heard a lot of people say, I haven't heard this, but we need to go and find a way to try and check it out, that Regal's podcast, he has a whole episode dedicated to MJF and that it is very, very, very real and very good. I will go and search that out. Thank you, Andrew. I haven't, I haven't listened to much of Regal's podcast. Have you had the chance to? No, I haven't. For a man who spends a lot of time in the car, I don't do it alone. And I think if in the car I was like, hang on, lads, just shush for a second. I want to stick William Regal's podcast on. <laughs> I'm not sure how well that would go down with the two fellow players I drive with. Everyone, shut up. Shut up. It's William's. Regal's, Regal's talking about the intricacies of selling of selling and how that's so important. So shush, you stupid talk about our game this weekend. It's less important. And also your journeys to, to games and training, they're at least a couple of hours. So it, And these podcasts mm. are long, so it'd be a lot of silence in there. But I'm yeah. going to check that out because that's a good recommendation. A couple of bits of wrestling news doing the rounds, news, speculation, call it what you will. Interesting theories I've read online recently about Austin Theory not cashing his Money in the Bank briefcase in until the day of the Money in the Bank pay-per-view itself and literally getting down to minutes or hours to go till the cash-in expires, which is not a storyline we've heard before. So I haven't seen these rumours or reports, but I think it's a very, very interesting one. Imagine having to having like 37 minutes to cash in and like Roman just get in the car yeah. and just leaving. And Theory having to work out some way to get him back. Oh yeah, there's there's... There's a definite storyline to be told, though, that we never, ever have with uh, the Money in the Bank of just a race against the clock. I would love that. But I tell you, I mean, I can't work out if I think it would be brilliant or if it would be naff to have him not pull the trigger, to have him have had the briefcase and and miss his chance like the clock expires on him and he'll never get that chance again. I don't know if that enhances the gimmick or it kills the gimmick or, or what, but I love the potential for it. I'm fascinated by it. All I will say is I don't think anyone really has ever recovered from failing a cash-in apart from John Cena, who doesn't count. Yeah, he should never have uh, had it. No. Well, he wasn't meant to, was he? he happened by accident, yeah. which is still one of my favourite things in wrestling. It just broke. He's like, he's John Cena at the top, looking shocked. Hold on. Brilliant. Is, is that true? I, I've never heard that. Yeah. I don't, know if he was me- I don't know if he was eventually meant to win the match, but that Money in the Bank ladder match is about 10 minutes shorter than it was meant to be. Is it? Because the because the uh, the clip breaks and he's at the top, just looking shocked. Oh, I thought that was. I always just thought that was John Cena doing John. Cena no, no, selling. no. That's genuine. My my understanding is, and maybe someone could correct me. My understanding is that genuinely wasn't meant to happen. Do you know what? This, this is. I'm going to go and check that match out again because it is a bit like when uh, Batista and John Cena both went over the top rope, and it. I didn't know for years that was a botched finish. I just thought, oh, that's really clever that they've timed it that way. I had no idea that was a botch. That was carnage because then Vincent Man tore both his quads. Never forget that. I mean, what? 
What? How, who? Who tears both their quads at the same time? Probably a man in at that point his late fifties, early sixties, who power walks to the ring and decides yeah. to slide in, having been sat stationary for three hours. Back no, then. yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. Have you ever? You've never done a quad, have you? Touch wood, I've never had a quad issue, no. But that's probably because I don't run quick enough. <laughs> well, let's end on something light before we do earning the push and back to developmental. This is something I saw uh, in the rest of the media uh, this week. I think it was in the Metro. Sami Zayn, uh, in an interview promoting some British shows, saying the one reality show he would like to do is The Great British Bake Off. How much would you give for Sami Zayn doing The Great British Bake Off? That would get me watching it on Channel 4. I won't watch it on Channel 4, but if Sami Zayn was on it, oh, imagine him with a bit of a bit of flour in his beard going around, sabotaging other people. Oh, my God. Okay. But also, I don't want it on the celebrity one. I want weekly Sami Zayn being judged. <laughs> I want him genuinely trying to win. Where they don't acknowledge it, where they're just like... No, don't say he's a wrestler. Because you know what? A lot of people in the tent won't know. Yeah, just just go, Sami's from Montreal. and He's, he's travelled over for the Bake Off this year. He runs a little artisan bakery in the outskirts of Montreal. Give him a big backstory. Yeah, do that. Get pictures of the bloodline in his bakery eating, like, croissants or something. (laughs) And then, just as he's about to get the Hollywood handshake, Theory cashes in his money in the bank (laughs) and comes in to claim... Just steals the handshake. Steals the handshake, and Michael Cole is following him going, it's the heist of the century. I mean, which other wrestlers would you have in the Bake Off tent? You've got to have Sami Zayn. I think Kevin Owens would be great value in there. 100% 100% Kevin Owens would be brilliant. Um, who else would I like to see? Do you know what I reckon I'd like to see? Mm. I think Alexa Bliss would do some great baking. And I think MJF, throw him in there. Yeah, yeah, that would be brilliant. And just be, I'd like to see MJF interact with Paul Hollywood. Oh, that would be money. And actually, I'll tell you else who I would throw into there is John Moxley. I would give a lot of money to watch John Moxley try and make him harangue. Yes, and just get so, so angry. Also, my favourite Twitter account is Renee Paquette when she just tweets about her and John's life. Yeah. Just hilarious things just at home. I really enjoy it. I tell you what I did enjoy as well in uh, MJF's slow, but really not that slow, babyface turn. He did do a very good John Moxley impression with yes. Renee Paquette yes. in that. I thought, yeah, that's pretty decent. So if we're talking about Bake Off, it must be time to get into everyone's favourite part of the show, earning the push and back to developmental. Something from everyday life that we love and we want to see more of. Something that we hate and we don't want to see uh, again. Charlie, first or second? I'll go second this week. Interesting. Okay, so uh, I am going to combine mine together. Uh, Earning the push, a nice haircut. Nothing Mm, better than a nice haircut. Wow. Yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. Wow. Something I can't get on board with. Do you... No, I won't ask. No, I will. No, No, go on, ask it on a podcast. Ask what you know, ask. Do you go to the hairdressers? Yes, I do, because look how nice my beard looks today. That's what I thought. That's why I thought yes. you'd appreciate this. I go to the barbers for my beard. Yes, I do. Do they do your ears? No, they don't do my ears, but maybe that's because I'm not as old as you and don't have ear hair oh, yet. Oh, yeah. Old father time here. Like Jack, you are, I think, almost 10 years older than me. I am 34. This is true. Yeah, you're eight years old than me, Jack. Yeah, okay. Well, your time will come when you go to the hairdressers and at some point, and you will not see it coming, like Terry Funk, a fireball will appear next to either of your ears and you you will have consented to it but not realised. And so that will happen. So that is getting and earning the push from me. Back to developmental, though, it's just never getting round to having a haircut. I am so busy at the moment that on my list for about three weeks has been go and get a haircut. 
go and get a haircut. Go and get a haircut. And you know when you need to, and you just can't find the time. COVID was awful, mm. but seeing people's hair was a joy. Yep. Seeing like really like professional people come on Zoom interviews on, on BBC News with just the most hilarious hair. And like people have never had their hair this long and didn't know what to do with it. So you'd see people like try to tie it up, sweep it. It was brilliant. I had an Alice band. I had an yes, Alice you did. I remember. I had an Alice band. I remember the one was Tony Blair on Good Morning Britain where he had like his hair silver and slicked back like a yeah. rocker. And you're going, surely Cherie could have done something, Tony, you know, with that. And then you could see the people who'd done terrible botch jobs. You could see the lucky people who had either... Um, who had partners who were barbers or hairdressers. And then you saw the people who clearly broken rules to go and see something like, where? And they're like, oh no, I did it myself. You're like, oh, you did that skin fade yourself, did you? Yeah, unbelievable. I, I haven't had the time and I need to get it done. But I, I basically, I'm quite lucky. As long as I gel it up and sweep it across, it mm. looks sort of okay. But even now, it's so, so that's going back to developmental for me. Uh, what is yours? You're going second, which implies you've got something on your mind. No, no, just I feel like I've gone first quite recent, oh, or quite frequently recently. Um, nice. But developmental, I can't bring myself to speak about the state of politics in our country, so I'm going to ignore that, Very and I'm nice. going to go to... I had a... Oh, I had a terrible incident in the night. So I had up to... I had enough money to redeem in club card points to take my better half out for dinner. Right, okay. To, to, so we went... And this is nothing to do... So we went to Prezzo, which is really nice. I like Prezzo. Yeah. And it's nothing to do with Prezzo, this. They were brilliant. Mm. But before we went, we didn't know whether we were going to go to Prezzo or Pizza Express because they're next to each other. Yep. So, uh, so we decided on Prezzo. So I get in there. First thing I do is redeem my points as vouchers. And it says, says romance, like, can I redeem my club card? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it takes, but we're, we're coming up to four years deep now, so she's, she's just happy to be out of the house. <laughs> um, so it says it takes up to 15 minutes. That's fine. So we're there for an hour and 20, hour and a half. And at the end... I still haven't had the vouchers come through. Right. So I end up just having to pay the bill because I'm like, I'll take you out for dinner. And I'd be like, yeah, you get the wine, you get the dessert. I'm thinking club cards and covering it. I didn't get the bloody vouchers till quarter past 10 the next morning. That were no use to me at that time. That's very poor. No are, use to me. Are they just for Prezzo? Yes. Now they're there till April. I'm sure I'll go back at some point. Mm. And people would say, Charlie, why didn't you redeem earlier? Because I didn't know where we were going until we got there. And I've done it before where I just do it there and it comes through. So I don't know what happened, but the Tesco club card app cost me dinner. What I like is that instead of you just going, I'll take her out for another meal now I've got these, you've gone, these are no use to me. They're no use to me at all, she ever. Had, she had a one shot at dinner, yeah. it didn't come, that's it for four years. They'll never be able to be used again. Okay, right. So uh, that, uh, that's back to developmental, right? Not yes, the, yes, uh, Frankly, is. earning the push should be your better half who tolerates this kind of nonsense from me. No, you. she got dinner. <laughs> what more does she want from me? Jesus. Yeah, but she, um, she got dinner knowing you go, well, I should have had my club card points by now. I did at one point almost say, well, that's the night ruined. But I didn't, because <laughs> that would have been a bit much, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, earning the push is, uh, is that time of the season for me. It's coming up to November. Just... You know there's a player now. At this point, everything hurts and will now until March, uh, until March, April, May time when the season ends. So for me, uh, good physios. Mm. They are worth their weight in gold. And I work with two brilliant physios. I one at Amptil Mick, who is just brilliant. And then I see a physio privately called Pedro. He's not really called Pedro, but that's what everyone calls him. Um, and they are brilliant. Uh, I've got a sore neck and shoulder at the moment. I will have a sore neck and shoulder for the next six months, and they are just getting me through session to session, match to match. So big up all the physios out there because 
they are worth their weight in gold, a good physio. Yep, they are. I mean, and you can't even have a relaxing bath, I would think, because I don't think you fit in a bath. I have a hilarious, I have to choose whether to get my shoulders or below my knees in the bath. Yeah. That's it, my two options. It's one or the other, I would think. Yes, you, yeah. yes. I, yes. Used, I used to work with someone who was about six foot ten. And oh, Jesus. Baths were just completely, I mean, you had to have yeah. beds specially made. So yeah, yeah, yeah. baths were completely out of the agenda. Uh, well, look, um, this week we're sort of running out of time. We haven't had a chance to touch on factions, although I know people had uh, conversations they wanted to have about the best factions when it comes to elevating people. We'll carry that over to next week. Uh, remember, rate, review, subscribe, tell other mates about uh, what we do here if they love wrestling and you want them to get involved. He's Charlie underscore Beckett. I'm Jack underscore Murley. Final question, Charlie, is tonight the night where we have to see Roman Reigns get physical with Logan Paul to build up to Crown Jewel. Do we need to see that? I don't need to see it, I don't think. But I'd like to see Roman. But I don't need to get physical with Logan, but I'd like to see Roman on SmackDown. Excellent. Well, we shall see tonight uh, on Friday Night SmackDown on Fox. Uh, keep rating, review, and subscribing, as we say. But for this week, we are out of time. We'll see you next week on Earning the Push for Charlie and myself. Until then, bye-bye. <laughs>